Sometimes I feel. I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get a bad You don't have to get a bad Attaccare! Attaccare! Almost forgot to turn the mics on. It goes to show how sleep deprived I am, Josh. But welcome to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick DeBona and Josh Parrish here in the studio on a Monday night. Josh, it's been a massive weekend of football, not only in Australia, but all around the world, especially in Europe. How are you feeling, mate? Attacare. Attacare. That's the motto of the weekend in Serie A. And there's no, it's no wonder you sleep deprived, Nick DeBano, because yep. there was way too much good football to watch, way too many highlights to mainline in preparation for this show. But just goals, goals, and more goals. Verona 4, Venezia 3, Spezia 2, Sassuolo 2, Fiorentina 3, Bologna 2, and most importantly, Napoli 2, Atalanta 3, which has big implications for the title race over in Italy. Over in Germany, though, they're more concerned about the referees, or at least... uh, Jude Bellingham is, but we'll get to that a bit later. Absolutely. I mean, Jude teeing off. Um, hey, hey, Jude, don't, don't make it bad. <laughs> just, just Anyways. Take a deep breath. Yes. Um, I think you definitely <laughs> had to because I think he's going to I can't continue have... that because otherwise we'll get sued by uh, yes. EMI. So. I mean, we're not playing it, so <laughs> you can't sing it either. That, that's definitely another issue in itself. But, I mean, for Jude Bellingham, we'll get to it later. Uh, he's definitely going to have a big, hefty fine potentially coming in mm. the mail very, very soon. I don't think that the uh, Bundesliga officials will be looking down upon that very... Well, they'll, they'll be frowning upon that because mm. that's not necessarily the way to go about it. And then obviously I have Jose Mourinho on the other side of things and we'll start in Serie who basically told journalists, I'm not answering your questions because our job is harder and that's why we get paid more than you. <laughs> So that's why there's going to be a lot of journalists and I'm talking to my friends over in Italy, all the Italian journalists out there. I'm not saying I'm all for picket fencing and unionizing everything, but this is now your chance because <laughs> Mourinho's gone out. And, hey, maybe it could be a double, maybe it could be a bit of like a, a bit of reverse psychology. Maybe this is what causes, you know, the, um, the, min- the minimum award to be raised and the minimum wage <laughs> among media uh, practitioners in Italy. But anyways, um, let's talk about the action on the field. We'll start with Napoli versus Atalanta. Um, the Serie A title race at the moment, completely blown open, basically because of this game, um, has now, it's gone from a two-horse race to a three-horse race, but now it's a four-horse race. And Atalanta, they have hit a brilliant run of form at the moment. It's another win for them after a bit of a scratchy start. They've won five on the bounce in the league, including a win over Juve and Napoli on the road. They had to do it the hard way. They took the lead early, but then they found themselves behind. But goals from Medi Demiral and Remo Froila got them over the line. They're starting to get players back. They got the job done. While for Napoli right now, they are losing players and it is starting to take a toll on their position on the Serie A standings without Kalido Koulibaly, Victor Ossiman, um, as well without Zambangisa in midfield. They are absolutely ravaged. And also Fabio Ruiz is another one that they're missing. So they're, mm. they're trying to fit um, square pegs in round holes at the moment and make it work. And um, Atalanta exposed them in every sense of the word. I think they've even had to change the shape of the team mm. to mitigate the 
uh, injury problems. I mean, Di Lorenzo is not a centre-back. You can only conceivably play him on the right side of a three if you're going to play him centrally, and that's what they had to switch to uh, in midfield. You know, they're not always playing 3-4-3. Three, three. They're usually a 4-3-3 three, three type mm. of operation, but they had to switch that because they just don't have enough midfield depth. And uh, this, these injuries in defence and central midfield in particular, I think, are affecting their ability to both defend but also control games, control mm. the pace of games, which Fabian Ruiz gives you. Uh, he's a player who likes to play at his own pace. Yes. And the games are getting more and more frenetic uh, without him in there. So Zielinski and Lobotka, I think, were a little overrun by uh, by Atalanta. They almost tried to beat Atalanta at their own game with their mm. own shape. It was man for man all over the pitch. And yep. it, was a, it was a great watch, but it was super uh, end-to-end and, and Napoli were never truly in control of it. So... Look, uh, I, I I love Mertens playing as the false nine. I'm, I'm a big Victor Osman fan as well. Um, he often bails you out. Uh, but Mertens as a false nine in the form that he's in, despite his age, I still think you can get by playing him there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the midfield and the defense for me and those absentees that are really uh, putting Napoli's title challenge in jeopardy. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you look at just the plays that they're missing right now. So not just Victor Ossiman, but Khalidou Koulibaly in defence is probably just as big, if not bigger, mm. for them. Along with Costas Manolas, that's their starting centre-back partnership missing. They've been forced to play players like Juan Jesus and, as you mentioned as well, Di Lorenzo in a back three. But as well, missing Zambo and Gisa in midfield, who has been brilliant for them mm. just as that sort of screener, box-to-box midfielder. I allows. can't take him seriously. Anyone associated with that Fulham team that yeah. got relegated, I feel like they've just kind of meme footballers. But, but to be honest, he's, he's flourished in Serie A and he's really started to take his career to the, the levels I think we all expected it to be when he went to Fulham. Yep. And, you know, as you said, we don't really talk about that Fulham team because they were woeful. Um, but in terms of what Napoli are missing, they're missing, you know, their defence, they're missing their attack, they're missing their midfield. And right now with the games coming, not just in terms of uh, there being games full stop, but the, the frequency of these games, three-day breaks, four-day breaks, they add up. You know, they're, v- they're very much in danger as well of actually being bundled out of the Europa League, which actually could work out for them in the league because in the second half of the season, they when they hopefully get a few players back, they'll be able to focus solely on the league. But in that sense, they're still going to lose Koulibaly and Ossiman, even if they both re- miraculously recover in time for AFCON. That's still going to be a massive loss for yep. them. So that January-February period, if they're not careful, considering how Inter are playing, how Atalanta's playing, how Milan have found their feet again over the past week, they are in danger of potentially falling way off the pace. And this was supposed to be Napoli's season. When you look at the caliber of players they've got, they got the coach that can actually get, can actually make it work. You know, um, Ossiman, you know, was looking like he was going to be fit this season. And it hasn't worked out. And it's been a bit of a hard week for him, not just on the field, but off it too. You know, Spalletti gets sent off. There's murmurs that Lorenzo Insigne is leaving on a free at the end of the season. And that he's refusing to sign a new contract, which it further hampers their plans for the long term. You know, you lose your your captain, mm-hmm. your best, arguably your best player. It's and you lose him for nothing. It's it's going to further hamper Napoli's ability, not just for this season but going forward. And then you got a guy like Irving Lozano openly saying in the press that Napoli is a stepping stone for him, and he wants to move to. And a he hasn't team. even been that great at Napoli in the oh, three seasons I mean, he's been there. Talk about delusions of grandeur. I mean, the chance that he missed against mm. Atalanta. I don't know if you saw it, Nick. It was yeah. about six yards out, maybe less. 
and he managed to kick the ball backwards into himself and then mm. out of play. Like this guy isn't exactly setting the world alight. He's he has flashes of brilliance and can do a decent Lorenzo Insigne impression every three weeks, but you know he's not the week in week out performer that Napoli thought they were no. signing. I mean. You know, his highlight reel is, is very uh, alluring, but I think appearances can be deceptive from out from the outside. And you talk about the Europa League. Uh, we'll, we'll get into a Champions League preview a bit later on. But just looking ahead to this Napoli-Leicester City game on Friday morning, do you really want to win that if you're Napoli? Do you want to burden yourself I with mean, more fixtures? I mean, they, they need to get a result if they want to get through. Mm-hmm. Leicester City on eight points. They're level with Spartak Moscow on seven. Uh, but with the head-to-head record counting. Um, unfortunately, their goal difference is way better than Spartak's, but the head-to-head record, record counts now in the, in the Europa League. So they have to win, mm. essentially, because you expect Spartak Moscow to get uh, some sort of a result against Legia Warsaw. So, so to give them any chance of going through to the playoffs or, or going through, um, I guess they would leapfrog Leicester City if they won. So, you know. They've got to win. It's, this, the equation is simple, but is this something that they want to win? Is it? easier in this situation to just play the youth you know, team, play the reserves, throw this one and um, and allow yourself the process of, you know, the bit of time to get all these injured players back. There's a few train of thoughts with this with Napoli over the next few weeks because they've got a big month heading into not only in terms of, you know, their, their title race credentials, but that they could further, further fall behind the pace in terms of losing more players. They've got that massive game against Milan in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but when you look at it, it's, it's a double-edged sword because, remember, the, the further you progress in Europe, whether it's the Champions League, the Europa League, or the Conference League, it's more money. Yep. And right now, clubs can't afford to be losing more money than they already have. And Napoli aren't the most heavily resourced club in Italy. Like, it's no sure. secret that that was half the reason why they weren't able to keep up with Juventus, despite how good they were. When it came to finances, they were not spending nearly as much as Juve were able to. And it's look, sort of almost reflective of the broader economic divide in Italy. In Italy, being a southern North Italian team. South. Yeah, and considering Napoli have, bar maybe when Benevento and Salernitana and a few others like Bardi have been promoted, they've been the sole southern Italian team for a very long time. Um, look, for me, it, it goes either way. You go out and it works well for them. You look at what happened to Inter last season when they went out of the Champions League and finished fourth in their group. Second half of the season, they ran through everyone in Serie A and completely benefited from the fact that Milan were playing Europa League and other teams were in the knockout stages. In this situation, though, look, I think you that that, that the financial incentive of going far is you know does that way. You're not going to tank the game. I just think that if they were to lose, okay. I don't think they will be necessarily losing sleep. I think if you drop say points against Milan, you drop more points, especially against Milan, and you fall further behind the pace. That will cause more worry for Luciano Spalletti, especially heading into winter and the more difficult part of the season when Napoli are going to lose players regardless of if they're fit or not. So um, it, as, it, it's a tough one because it's not just Napoli in this situation. It's Milan as well. They've, they face a similar thing this week in terms of, you know, do you go, th- you know, hammer and tong against Liverpool and hope for the best? Um, and it's... It, end of the day, coaches go out to win games. Sure. And look... Either way, they're not going to be able to put out a full-strength team. They don't have the depth right now to really be wheeling in too many of these depth players because their depth is not that great for what they've got. They've seen the same in. thing at Roma in more extreme circumstances. But with Roma, it's it's more because Mourinho wants to send a statement. But with Napoli, you know, playing okay. guys like Andrea Petagna and Diego Deme and Goulam and these sort of players are players on the out. They're players that are so far down the pecking order. 
they're not necessarily first team starters. So either way, like they don't necessarily have they're not drafting kids into the bench either. They're going they're not even filling their bench. No, three I mean, four you get players a massive down. bench instead of yeah, other, it's but. it's not like Roma who fill their bench with eight kids every week. It's like a rotating pack of kids. Napoli aren't doing it at all. It's like, well, what's the point? So it's it's an interesting one. But Josh, I think we should move on. Mm-hmm. Because you mentioned Roma, and they did lose 3-0 against Inter. Inter were brilliant. Again, they've been brilliant for a good month now and have really, really closed that gap at the top. But there's one thing that I want to talk about, Josh, and it's not necessarily about the game itself. It's about a certain player who made his debut. And I'm very happy to see he made his debut, and that's Christian Volpato. Very, very pleased. I see our producer, Pakua, just head in hands because she knows exactly where this is going. And, Josh, I want to get your thoughts on this as well because there was a bit of discourse in the uh, – Soccer Twitter sphere yesterday. The second, I, and I knew this was going to happen. The second that Christian Volpato was first on a team sheet a few weeks ago, that the second this kid sees minutes, everyone's going to say, especially considering he has the dual citizenship, we need to cap Christian Volpato right away or we are screwed. Newsflash. Calm. I'm not even going to say the other words I could put in that. Calm, those calm your farm. Calm your farm. Just calm down. That's what you're going to say, right? Yes. But there is no rush. There is no race. The kid has played five minutes. I'm not diminishing the talent and the obvious potential that Christian Volpato has. But when you consider context right now, do Australia have, you know, the the opportunity right now to just go in a crunch qualifier and say, you know, we need to play Christian Volpato for a few minutes off the bench against the Saudis, even though he's barely played a professional minute because we need to keep him from the potential of Italy capping him before us, considering that he's so far down the pecking order in the Italian system. To that I respond, Nick, who is Christian Volpato's agent? Uh, it is Francesco Totti. Yes. Who is Alex Robertson's agent? It's not Francesco Totti. No, no it is Michael uh, Owen. Michael Owen, that's right, yeah. <laughs> it's not I, Francesco I, Totti. I, I thought maybe Totti had a <laughs> It was like his own little Australian <laughs> football farm he has going at the moment. Uh, it, was, it was a trick question. Yeah. But... Is there a common thread in these two situations there where is. there is a legendary player mentoring a young Aussie eligible player and maybe, maybe just maybe pushing them in the direction of a different national team? Potentially, but Christian Volpato right now, when you think about it, why are we rushing to cap him though? Because he has to play three games. Mm. Three games. The next two windows, do you think that the Socceroos have – the window to just turn around and go, we're going to play him as a victory cigar in three games where they probably won't have the opportunity to play a victory cigar. People are saying, oh, you know, but if he doesn't, if he's not able to play in that situation against Oman and Vietnam, we have big problems. Newsflash, you've been living under a massive We rock. do have big the problems. The Socceroos <laughs> have big problems. Like, <laughs> I don't know how clear it has to be said. Like the Socceroos have massive problems beyond Christian Volpato playing or not. The thing is... We are so scared of our own shadows here. Mm. If the kid wants to play for the Socceroos, he will play for the Socceroos. If he doesn't, then you know what? Like, and it's Daniel Azani's situation all over again. But the difference here is Volpato has barely kicked the ball in anger at senior football, at that level in senior football. If he goes out and he plays for the next few weeks, next few months, and he balls out, say he puts together an amazing month of football for Roma, he's killing it, you know, he's starting regularly. Yes, select him, play him because he's earned it on merit. Don't pick him because you're worried about a national team picking him before you will. Because mm. let's be real, let's be 100% real, there are probably 20, 30 attackers around that range that are ahead of Christian Volpato in the Italian national team system right now. 
when you think about at least, it, <laughs> at least that's but a conservative when you, estimate. When you when you think about it with Australia, it's obviously not as much. Mm. So why are we so worried about the reigning European champions? That's the fact. I know they potentially could miss the World Cup. About them selecting Volpato in the near future. Hell, if we've got some friendlies coming up, like I saw the comparison. Shout out to you, Vince Regari, about Chris Economides. Yeah. The difference is with Chris Economides in this situation. Because he was, was on Lazio's books and he'd barely played a professional game when Ange called no. him up. But remember the difference in that situation. Chris Economides was picked in the first window after Australia won the Asian Cup for two friendlies against, against Macedonia and against Germany. Just meaningless friendlies, mm. right? Different scenario, just playing once and he's theirs. Chris Economides is who was the other nation that was competing for Economides as well, not signature, but like his services for the national team. I would guess Greece based on the yes. Senate. No disrespect to Greece. Well, some disrespect. But <laughs> let's be real. Greece, smaller talent pool compared to Italy. Coached by John Van Skip. Absolutely. There so was probably greater scope. Rather than Roberto yeah. Mancini, there's there's levels to this game. Yes. So it's it's comparing apples and oranges. But please, can we just calm down for a second about Christian Volpato playing for the Socceroos? We don't need to do that right now. Australia's focus should just be picking the best 23 players that are playing right now to get them to freaking Qatar. These are do or die yeah. games. Australia's in big trouble. Look, I mean, look, if Graham Arnold has watched... Uh, a lot of youth football that Christian Valpardo's played maybe and and really thinks that he's better than the other options he could draft into his squad? Sure, but let's not cap him for the sake of capping him because the rules have changed. Mm. One appearance, one token appearance is not enough to tie his allegiance uh, anymore. They've, they've recently changed. So uh, I don't think playing a guy three times in three of the most important games that the Socceroos will uh, play in the next four-year cycle mm. is really the move and here. let's be real. It might not just be the next two windows that are coming up that, you know, the soccer is going to have to play crunch qualifiers. It's prob- it could be four. Yeah. Four windows because there's a very good chance they finish third. They go to have to play the Asian Confederation game. Then they have to go play Comdebol. The, the one caveat I would have is is the Totti factor and the fact that, you know, I mean, Volpato himself has said in past interviews that, you know, doors kind of open for you when Totti is your agent, yeah, you know, taken more seriously. Uh, so... Maybe if he ends up getting drafted into a Italian youth national squad, Which he has. then his allegiance starts yeah, to shift. But the thing is, I, he, I would definitely be in contact with him if absolutely. I'm the national team, if I'm the federation, if I'm the coach. But I think it's too soon to draft him into a senior camp. Look, I think what you can do is you can bring him into camp as like a train-on player. Okay. As someone to sort of get a feel for it. Because it's almost like an invitation. Like it's almost like you're coming in for a test drive. And it's like, suss how it feels. If you like it. No worries. We'll keep the op- option there. You know, if you're Graham Arnold, you're getting on the phone and you're having conversations with him now. You're congratulating him. You're saying, you know, look, we're going to keep an eye on you because obviously the kid is talented. Mm. But you're not saying to him, hey, mate, you're playing against Vietnam. You're playing against Oman in the next games. Unless, hey, in the next two months, as I said, if he comes and he, you know, the next few games he's, for Oman. He's regularly making appearances. Starting that's a, that's every a different, week, yeah. That's a different story. This is, you know, this is one appearance off the bench, and there's a lot of players who, who and make, remember, like, late cameos. What the scoreline was at that point, it was 3-0. Yeah, there was, was five minutes to go. There was no way Roman were coming back from that. And no. let's talk about the actual game. Because, no, well, yeah. I mean... Roma are in crisis at the moment. Mm. Uh, there was an Olympico at the Olympico. Mr. Hakan Chalanolu uh, scoring direct from a corner kick. Bit suspect, the goalkeeping from Patricio there. Yeah, right through his legs. 
bit of luck. It wasn't like Quadrados. You don't think he intended that? You don't think he put the dip on the ball, the, no. the Magnus effect? There's in one motion? thing you've got to remember about Hakan Chelanoglu is that he, I think that half the stuff sometimes he does, and it felt like that sometimes at Milan, is just almost like a hit and hope. And if it came off, great. If it didn't, then that's just hey, Hakan. He, his his and, celebration uh, made out like he meant it. <sighs> Saluting the fans, as I said to you, Josh. To as crowd. I said to you, Josh, his personal graphic designer probably had that ready to go for him at the <laughs> second the game ended <laughs> and the second he got hold of his phone afterwards to post on Instagram. Um, but in terms of the game, look, Inter right now are playing on another level. Uh, they're they're right now the form team in Serie A. Did um, did Roma really play Roger Ibanez as a as yeah, a right did. wing back? They did, and um, I can't think of a central defender more ill suited yeah. to playing as a wing. Back. So they had short, they had uh, Matias Vigna. This this okay. formation here is not right. They had Vigna out on one side and ah, okay. Ibanez on the other, and they had Veritu, Mkhitaryan, and Cristante in midfield. But um, they just got overrun, and that's what happens when you look at these two lineups. I know they didn't have Tammy Abraham, but that probably would I'm sorry, Pakua, but that probably wouldn't have changed a hell of a lot. At the end of the day, Roma's got big issues in midfield and defences we've spoken at length about. Um, they are Four centre-backs in one side. That's, that's some yeah. tiny Pulis areas from uh, Richard, Richard Garcia as well. Um, but <laughs> you, you, you look at it in terms of how into play right now, and there's one man that, just doesn't get enough credit, and it's Marcelo Brozovic to all this. And the fact that Inter could lose him for free is would be an absolute disaster. I know they lost Lukaku, I know they lost Hakimi, but if Brozovic left, they don't have a player like that that can mm. you know that you can just call upon whether they're in the squad or in world football. Full stop. I think Brozovic is one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated player in world football. Um, the way he makes everyone better around him and his work rate and everything else is so important to the way Inter play. But um, right now... He does everything. Yeah. He does a bit of everything. He's not yeah. a specialist in midfield. He's an all-rounder. Yeah. And, you know, he can receive the ball uh, in so many different scenarios and keep a hold of it and progress it. Uh, he's incredible defensively. You, you have to be quite a player to make up for the shortfalls mm. of Chalinolu and Borella, who are two much more Late specific, yeah. specific limited players in those two other midfield roles. But has the demise of Inter been greatly overstated? Uh, well, I think so. I think that, I, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I think that a lot of us mm. thought losing Lukaku, losing Hakimi would have been... Losing Conte. Conte as well, of course. The biggest one of the lot. Um, but Simone Inzaghi, it took time mm-hmm. to, get it, to get it going. But once he's got it going, they've been very good this season. I still think um, their only shortfall for me is still in terms of that that the, the midfield three, I still think with Chalonoglu in there, not just saying this because I'm obviously a Milan fan, but I still think that Chalonoglu is such a sca- is such a scratchy player that you just don't know what you're going to get. And there's going to be times where he's going to frustrate and there's going to be times where Inter might need to look for an upgrade in there. Um, but the other thing that as well is going to keep working against Inter's favour is until they get new owners, they're going to be in this situation every single transfer window where they're going to have to sell to stay afloat. Um, I know Lataro Martinez signed a new deal. Um, but right now, Lataro Martinez isn't even starting for Inter right now. Um, I, I think Lataro Martinez is one of the best strikers in Serie A, one of the best strikers in South America. But I think with the form of Joaquin Correa and Edin Dzeko, and considering that you know he hasn't had a great season, you have to be asking the questions in this situation. You know, Is Lataro Martinez someone that we can actually afford to potentially move on and use that money to sprinkle into positions of need? Because they do need better midfield depth. Their midfield depth for me, bar Stefano Senzi, is not good enough. Arturo Vidal is getting on. Roberto, the, the drop-off with Roberto Gagliardini and Matias Vecino in the starting lineup is too great. 
and I get a sense that Inter at the end of the day, they're, they're least, the least of their problems is up front and they can cover that no issues whatsoever. They can go and get someone for no problems if they want to go and get another striker. Hell, they've even still got Alexis Sanchez on their books. But if Lautaro Martinez gets the big offer, the, if the godfather offer does come from a Premier League side or from La Liga, you'd have to really consider it considering Inter's financial situation at the moment. But if they're able to keep this squad together through January, through till the future, they're always going to be up there. And I've got to give Simone Inzaghi a lot of credit because even at Lazio, he had a lot of, copped a lot of flack, mm. but he did a really good job with them. And you're seeing the difference under him and Maurizio Sarri at Lazio as well. Um, they're a very unstable team under Sarri, not compatible for the way that they played under um, Inzaghi. Like, you know, going from a back three to a back four, um, the players just don't suit that system. They haven't got a six that can play the Jorginho role, the Metzala. So they've got issues there. But anyways, um, Inter, fantastic. Roma, big issues. Um, in terms how, of the other How games, long does Mourinho last? How long before well, they pull the trigger on him? I mean, you look at the table right now. They're seventh and they're still they're, – they're, they're falling off the pace for top four. I think that they'll give him – I think they'll give him January. Mm-hmm. I think they'll give him January. I think they'll give him at least a bit of time to potentially sign some players in January. But I think if it gets to around that March, April, and the results are starting to wane, I wouldn't be surprised if Roma pulls the trigger. If it's not during the season, definitely at the end of it. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to remember, I think he signed quite a hefty contract. He always does. And if, he always I, expensive I, I don't remember sack. the exact length of his contract, but um, it's... You know the payout for that. It's it's going to be bigger than they've had with any of their previous coaches who they've sacked um, for someone like him. But, anyways, let's move on quickly. Go through the rest of the results in Serie A. We'll move on. Uh, Milan they kicked off the weekend with a two 0 win over Salernitana, an important win for them heading into a massive game against Liverpool. I mean, Salernitana seemed like also runs this season. Even yeah. with Frank Ribery in the squad. Salernitana are a great story because they're a historically massive um, Serie A team. They folded. They came back. Um, it's good to see them back up here. But Beautiful part of the world, be, of course. Everyone's uh, having a great time one of, living one there. One of the best like away days ever in Salernitana. One of the beautiful okay. parts of the world. Um, but for Milan, massive three points for them. They're back on track after a few lean results. But it's an important win for them. Um, in terms of the other games this weekend, as we mentioned, you're there 2-0 over Genoa. If you're going to watch any game from the weekend, I'd suggest watching Venezia versus Hellas Verona or at least watch the highlights. Venezia were 3-0 up at halftime. They went down to 10 and Hellas Verona ran over them. Uh, Giovanni Simeone continues his amazing season uh, for Hellas Verona, really starting to fulfill that potential up front. A win for Lazio as well. And also some real exciting games between Bologna, Fiorentina and Spezia Sassuolo. Sometimes I feel... I don't know. I don't know. Buona giornata. Buona serata. Buona giornata. There's not really time to relax and take an espresso for Juventus. <laughs> you don't have to get about it, did you? You don't have to get about it, did you? Attaccare! Attaccare! 